Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the fellas out there, welcome back to the channel and the podcast. Today, we're going to break down our wide receiver rankings, my wide receiver rankings from number seven to number 12. We did one through six in the first episode. You can go back and watch that later on. You don't have to do it right now, but I urge you to check it out at some point and the whole entire Fantasy Football 2020 playlist. It'll be linked up to this video. It'll be at the end. And also, you can just go find the playlist on the channel if you really want to. But I'm excited to break it down with all of you today. So you ready for the seven through 12? It's going to be a good time. These are rankings for PPR form. And before we before we get all into this, and before we even ask the question of the day, I have to share something with you. Depending on when you're watching this, we're still going through the pandemic. We're about two months in, and I usually get a haircut every two weeks. I like to keep it short, get myself a nice skin fade, and I've been giving myself haircuts for the last two months. So two weeks every two weeks for two months, four haircuts so far. And to be honest with you, it's not the worst. I don't do a terrible job, except for when it comes to the back. And this time, when it came to the back, I decided to do it on my own as my girlfriend wasn't around, and I damn near gave myself the entire fuck me up. It would have been the fuck me up. If it was not for my resolution, which was, and here you go now going completely bald. And this is not just a buzz cut. I went completely bald on it. It's just showing some sort of tint. So that was my resolution for it. I'm very eager. I know I'm wearing a hat, so you would have never even have seen that. But I felt the need. I felt the need to be very transparent with you and just let you know there's no hair currently under this hat. And if you're listening on the podcast, you can just try and imagine my head right now. But I'll just save you the time. You can come here if you'd like to on YouTube. But let's get into the 7 to 12. And I have a question of the day for you. Would you rather own DJ Moore or Odell Beckham Jr.? Let me know down below in the comments right now. Take a second of your time, uh, would you rather own Odell or DJ Moore PPR format 2020 fantasy football? There's going to be a lot of things in the description down below for all of you. There's going to be my free rookie rankings, one through 50 of all the rookies, top 50 rookie rankings. There'll be some more strategy guides down there. And while you're down there, please, big old subscribe button's about to pop up on the screen. Hit that big old subscribe button, hit the notification bell and the like button, having a lot of new subscribers every single day as they turn out even more and more and build up our catalog of fantasy football 2020 content. So be sure to check out all the playlists and all that type of stuff for the other strategy videos and other rankings rankings and positions and all that stuff that is out there. But I appreciate your subscription to this YouTube channel. It allows me as a creator to reach more people. You're probably seeing me right now because other people were subscribing and doing all those things. So thank you so much. I, I really do appreciate the community that we're building here. You all rock. So without further ado, Kenny G is going to kick this off with number seven. If you did not watch the first video, as a very quick recap, we had our number one receiver being Devontae Adams. Number two, Michael Thomas. Number three was Julio Jones. Four, DeAndre Hopkins, the new Arizona Cardinal. Fifth, Tyreek the Free Kill. And number six, Chris the God Godwin. So now we have number seven here in Kenny Galladay. And he played in all 16 games Kenny Galladay did in the 2019 season. And man, oh man, was he playing with some brutal quarterbacks for the second half of that year. And he still put up numbers. 92% of the snaps, he went for over 1,180 yards, 65 receptions, and 11 touchdowns. He had a 21.1% target share in this offense and a very nice 25% target share in the red zone. He was number one in the entire league in deep targets. And that's taking into account Mount Stafford only playing eight games and having to get by with David Blau on Thanksgiving and Jeff Driscoll. So number one in deep targets with two point three per game, 37 total. He was sixth in yards, 74 per game, 15.5 fantasy points per game, ranked top 12, fourth in yards per reception because of those deep targets at 18.3. And he's a contested catch artist, seventh in that department. Now Detroit threw the 14 most times in the league last year, overall at 38.4. Matt Stafford was on pace for a, a maybe career year. He had 36.4 attempts per game, averaging 312.4 yards per game before he got injured in his eighth game, 19 touchdowns, and he was number six in true passer rating. And then they had to get by through Thanksgiving on with David Blau and then Jeff
Jeff Driscoll, and then they all ended up getting hurt, and it was just an absolute shit show, to put it bluntly, for Kenny Galladay's quarterback situation the second half of the year. On the offseasons, the Lions did some things, but a lot on the defensive side, including overspending for a ton of veteran defensive players, absolute donkeys there, and not only their general but manager, but also their head coach, the way that they want to operate this offense. They added Geronimo Allison, who was one of the worst wide receivers in the league last year for the Packers, so great addition there. And they added a tackle. They signed him to a, I believe, a three or four year deal in Vate. The subtractions were guard Graham Glasgow was gone. And then in the NFL draft, they take DeAndre Swift in the second round. I can't blame them for it. You've had on Johnson missing 14 games with knee injuries in his first two years of his career. That's not boding well for you. They took a couple of guards in the third and fourth round. They took a wide receiver, Quintez Seifers, in the fifth round. And then running back Jason Huntley, who was a nice pass catcher as well in the fifth round. So they've already come out and told us that they want to run the ball, but they want to use all their running backs. They want to use Ty Johnson, even Ty Johnson from last year's Thanksgiving game where he caught like one or two balls. And my personal grandmother said that he would be the sleeper of the day. My sleeper of the day is Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson. Third string, maybe backup running back today. You heard it here first. Absolute dust pick by my grandmother, 93-year-old Millie. Shame on you. But they want to run the ball a ton, but they still have Kenny Galladay out there. Now, Galladay's durability is not much of a question mark. Six games in his three-year career is a little bit above average. Five in 2017, though, with one injury for a hamstring. So it doesn't make it as uh, out of the ordinary. One injury in 2018 with a chest injury. And then last year, he ended up playing the entire season. No missed games. Now, what does his backfield or really what does his target share look like? Well, the competition is mainly going to come from other outside receiver Marvin Jones. They're starting slot wide receiver in Danny Amendola as of right now. And then obviously they signed John Wilson. They got some players in the draft and then rookie tight end who got hurt last year, played 12 games, TJ Hawkinson. Marvin Jones was on the field just as much as Kenny Galladay was 94% of the snaps. He got 62 balls in 13 games on 92 targets, a 22.2% share of the market share. Danny Amendola had 66% of the snaps, mainly out of the slot. He had a nice start to the season in their overtime game against the Cardinals with a lot of receptions, but he had 62 catches, very similar, exact amount as Marvin Jones on 96 targets, 18. 5% of the target share. Not a lot of yards per reception, though, as he was not going downfield out of the slot. Ronald Allison, only a 10.8% target share with the Packers, 56 targets, 34 receptions, and he just could not get separation on 60.6% of the snaps for them. Similar to Danny Amendola, TJ Hawkinson had a really big week one in that overtime game against the Cardinals. 67% of the snaps, though, he ended up with a 14.1% target share. So I think Kenny Galladay is very much in a prime position here. Outside of his his competition is TJ Hawkinson, who they want to use more as a run blocker. Maybe he takes a step forward as a pass blocker this year. They want to run the ball just in general this year. DeAndre Swift will be back there to take away some receptions, but that will probably only add up to what J.D. McKissick was doing last year and Ty Johnson in the receiving game. Ty Johnson. And now you factor in them, as long as Matt Stafford and his back injury can stay healthy, you had Kenny Galladay piecing it together as just statistically the best deep target in the entire game in terms of how all overall targets you saw, yards per reception, and you had him piecing it together with David Blau and Jeff Driscoll, guys that we are not even sure will ever play another game in the NFL again in their careers. So Matt Stafford having a second half of the year, sure he's been injured, sure he has another year on his tires, but I take that Matt Stafford over those Driscoll and Blaws any day. I think Kenny Galladay is in a prime position to even finish top five at wide receiver. But right now we have him at number seven and I feel really strongly about his upside in 2020 fantasy football. You know, I asked this question the other day on Twitter. Is there a more underappreciated player in the entire NFL, special teams, defense, offense, whatever it might be, than Allen Robinson? And I really don't know if there is. And let's let's not just talk about two-year players who have been in the league. Some people were telling me Josh Allen. No, no, not Josh Allen. Uh, Guys who have been in the league like Allen Robinson for for years now coming out of Penn State, uh, which seems like so long ago. But Allen Robinson, probably one of the most underappreciated players in the entire league, having to get by with just guys like Blake Bortles, getting by with guys like Mitch Trubisky as his quarterbacks, and still putting up top 10 and top 8 fantasy football seasons from a wide receiver position. Played the entire 2019 season, and he played on 97% of the snaps. 98 receptions for over 1,100 yards and 7 touchdowns, 153 targets. That ranked 4th among all receivers last year, and a very elite 27% 
target share and a 30% red zone target share. The man was an absolute monster last year. He only had 11.7 yards per reception though. He was just 36 in yards after the catch. So he didn't have a lot of upside there. So he really did survive on just having a ton, a ton of targets in general. And really the Bears receiving game didn't give him much threats of taking those targets away last year. He was fifth in contested catches, sixth in receptions with 6.1 per contest and fifth in his overall target share that we touched on at 27%. I'll go through the 12th most times per game last year with mainly Mitch Trubisky, 39.1 per. Trubisky had 34.4 attempts per game himself, 209 yards per game, which is terrible. And then 17 touchdowns, a 3.3% rate, which is not that great. 18th in true completion percentage, and he crumbled under pressure being 27th when pressured. So what did the Bears do in the offseason? Is there going to be any threats to Allen Robinson? It should it be status quo. If anything, it should get better because Nick Foles right now, they signed and they did not pick up the fifth year option on Mitch Trubisky very recently, which kind of just indicates to me, and I'm going to project it, that Nick Foles is going to start and play all the games as long as he's healthy. They added Jimmy Graham, who's a dusty old tight end, and I don't really have any concerns about his target share taking away from Allen Robinson, very similar to probably what Trey Burton did last year and all their tight ends that add up to their 10 tight ends on their roster did last year. Not too concerned about that. They recently signed Ted Ginn, not too concerned about that, the former Saint. And then they recently signed the former Packer in Oakland Raider, Trevor Davis, who's mainly just been a special team standout, not done anything else other than that during his career for the most part. Kyle Long retired on the offensive line. Taylor Gabriel was cut, which I think he's one of the best wide receivers on the market as I speak today. And then Trey Burton was also cut. In the NFL draft, they took their first overall pick, not in the first round, but they ended up taking Cole Komet in the second round. Then they got Darnell Mooney in the fifth round of wide receiver, and they drafted two seventh round offensive linemen. So pretty much the upgrades for them were getting Jimmy Graham and losing Trey Burton. I'm not sure that's really an upgrade. They ended up getting Cole Komet at tight end too, and Darnell Mooney in the draft and losing Taylor Gabriel. Again, I'm not really sure if that's much of an upside, but the biggest upgrade was for sure Nick Foles, in my opinion, over Mitch Trubisky. Durability of Allen Robinson. If you just look at the quantity of games he's missed, you might not feel great. 19 games, but he missed 16 of those back in 2017 because of an ACL tear. Then in 2018, he missed three games with some rib injuries. So it's really just one freak injury, the ACL. Normally those things come back and the player is stronger than ever. You saw it with Keenan Allen. He used to be quote unquote injury prone because he he missed two seasons with some ACL and ligament damage. And now since then, he hasn't really missed any time. Bears target competition is going to mainly come from Anthony Miller, Jimmy Graham, Tariq Cohen, and then a mixture of Ted Ginn and Cordell Patterson, and maybe even the rookie Darnell Mooney. But for the most part, it's going to be Miller leading the way. 66.5% of the snaps last year. He played in the slot. He played out wide. He's due for a bigger year as he struggled with injuries in his first two seasons in the league. 52 receptions on 85 targets last year, two touchdowns, a 15% target share. So look, his target share was 15%. That was like next best on this team at the wide receiver position. Robinson was almost double that. Uh, Tariq Cohen was the the next closest to him at 16.6% target share, 104 targets for Tariq Cohen, 79 receptions last year on less than 50% of the snaps. And Jimmy Graham's 2019 with the Packers ended up being 55 receptions. He saw a healthy amount of targets. 63% was 11.5% of the target share. And he had a decent amount of yards per reception, 12th among tight ends at 11.8. Without question, Allen Robinson is the alpha here who's going to get a quarterback upgrade, maybe a little bit of a drop off because Kyle Long retires on the offensive line. But without question, I think there's going to be an upgrade. I think Anthony Miller takes a step forward. They still have Tariq Cohen to use in aggressive ways. Maybe they try and run the ball a little bit more now with sophomore running back David Montgomery. But looking at 153 targets, do you think he can repeat that? I'm not too sure he can repeat the 153 target season, but if he stays healthy, he can get very close to it. And even if he drops off to 135 targets or or loses one or two targets per game in that regard, and now you're looking at an eight target per game player, if it's Nick Foles throwing him the ball and their higher efficiency targets and higher accuracy targets and more catchable passes, I like the outlook of Allen Robinson. He's my number eight wide receiver for PPR 2020 formats. So in the previous rankings video for wide receivers, we talked about his teammate, Chris the God Godwin at number six. And now I have Mike Evans in the top 10 as well at number nine. Mike Evans last year played in 13 total games. He played on 90% of the snaps, over 65 receptions, over 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. He had a 24% target share and in the red zone, a 27.7% target share. He did all this in just 13 games because 
because he missed his final three games of the 2019 season with a hamstring injury. He had 89 yards per game, 17.7 fantasy points per game, ranked fifth among wide receivers. Crazy that these two wide receivers in Tampa were both top five. Shout out Jamin Swinston for supplying that. Ethan yards per route run at 2.67, an efficiency metric that is the best predictor of your success. And you can see that top 10 in that department. He pretty much finished top 10 everywhere else. Not really a contested catch guy, just 32% contested catches brought in. That ranked 28th in the league. And he had an 84.6 rating when targeted. That was not good. That was 70th in the league in terms of quarterback rating. A lot of that though does have to do with some Jameis Winston interceptions and his inaccuracy as a quarterback. Tampa Bay did throw the third most times per game last year. And now with Tom Brady coming in, you expect that not really to be as much of the case. Brady in 2019 though did throw the fourth most times in the league at 39.3 per game. He attempted the most red zone passes at 6.3 per game, which is a crazy number. 24 touchdowns. He was 32nd in the league when it came to clean pocket accuracy and 17th in true passer rating. The overall volume is there for him. We know the guy's arm can still work. It's just a question of how accurate can he actually be because we saw those numbers start to break down last year. Outside of adding Brady in the offseason, they also added Rob Gronkowski. He came out of retirement. They ended up trading for him. And they also signed Joe Hagan, offensive lineman on the interior. They lost Jameis Winston. They lost Brashad Perriman. And in the NFL draft, they got Tristan Wirfs. They traded up one spot to draft him 13th overall offensive lineman out of Iowa. Going to be a huge, huge piece for Tom Brady. They got Keyshawn Vaughn, a pass catching and a nice protecting running back in the third round. Tyler Johnson, a wide receiver who can play in the slot in the fifth round. And in the seventh round, they took another running back in Raymond Calais, who can also catch the ball. So what does the competition look like for Mike Evans this year? Well, there's a lot of competition. There's a ton of mouths in Tampa Bay, and that's the biggest concern. And that's why Mike Evans is going to drop to number nine for me. And Chris Godwin jumps outside the top five for me. And if anything, they might go down more as the season comes on based on coach speed, because Chris Godwin's out there who played 96% of the snaps last year, who finished second in fantasy points per game, who also saw over a 20% target share in both the red zone and generally get over 1300 yards and nine touchdowns on 119 targets. You have OJ Howard out there still, right? OJ Howard, who is now going to be your tight end two behind Rob Gronkowski, who was out there as well. A friendly face for Tom Brady and even Howard as just a backup last year, even as he was running in parallel with Cameron Brate, still saw 53 targets, 10% of the share. So even if you give Rob Gronkowski 15 to 18% of the target share, you give OJ Howard 10% of the target share, you're giving Chris Goblin 22 to 25% of the target share. It's just difficult for Mike Evans to do much more than he did last year, especially since the passing volume per game and overall targets in this offense is likely to go down. So that's why I move him from being a top five wide receiver last year, finishing fifth in fantasy points per game. I drop him down to ninth overall. I still do think they'll put up a lot of points. The touchdown should likely go up for Mike Evans. I mean, he missed three games, but eight touchdowns last year. I can see a 12 touchdown season making up for a couple of receptions and receiving yards dropping. Mike Evans for me is going to be my wide receiver nine this year inside the top 10. Now let's round out the top 10 with this next player. Real quick before we keep going above me, Monkey Knife Fights logo, that little monkey guy there down below me, the promo code offer. If you indeed use that promo code Vetri or the link in the description below, whatever is easier for you. If you deposit the minimum of $10 over there, it's a player prop sports betting site. You'll get $15, 150% match. If you want to deposit $50, they'll give you a 55 buckaroos over a hundred percent match just for using that code. What it is, is a player prop site. So if you think Mike Evans in whatever week of the NFL preseason or real season or any sport you want to play right now, since the season, as I record this is not in play. If you think the over under is 73 yards for him and you think it goes over, well, you win some money. If you take the over, if you think it goes under, well, you win some money. If you take the under, if you just like sports betting, why are you not taking advantage of an offer where you can put 25 bucks in and get $30 for free in return over a hundred percent return? Use that link down below. The promo code is Vetri. And now let's get back into this video. So number 10, I put Odell Beckham Jr. here on the Cleveland Browns in 2019. He did play the entire season, but we did find out that he played the entire season injured. He had surgery on January 21st of 2020 to record a core muscle injury. Uh, He is dealing with a sports hernia as well. It might've been the same injury. So he had an injury all of last year. He was playing through and it kind of explains his 
overall play and really in general there wasn't a lot of targeted and accurate passes his way because coming into the season the Browns had one of the worst offensive lines and boy oh boy did that play out in 2019 as Baker was running for his life being very inaccurate and this team folded under a ton of pressure and expectations he played on 97% of the snaps though he had over a thousand yards 74 receptions just four touchdowns on 133 targets he did see a commanding 25.6% of the target share though his 12.6 fantasy points per game was atrocious and ranked 33rd in the league he was second though behind only Kenny Galladay with deep targets with one 1.9 per game of 20 plus yards or more. 64.7 yards per game, 4.6 receptions per game. Here's the stuff that really stands out. His target quality was ranked 45th in the league. That's not good. His catchable targets were ranked 69th in the league. Only 74.4% of his targets were actually catchable. Over a quarter of his targets were just a waste. They weren't in the range that he can actually catch, but he was credited with a target, so it just makes his numbers look a little bit worse. Now, one number that will look bad and it holds up is that he was ranked number one in the league in drops with Randall Cobb with 11. That's not something we're used to Odell Beckham with his hands. Cleveland threw the 20th most times last year at 36.2 per game. Now, Baker Mayfield in 2019. Yeah, he was just running for his life. The offensive line was terrible. It really hurts him. 33.4 attempts per game, a 239.2 yard per game number, and 22 touchdowns. The thing that we're hammering home, and you can see it on the screen right now, is that 30th in pass protection for him was 77.6% of the league. That is atrocious. Now, the Browns pretty much addresses him in the offseason to the best of their abilities. They were one of the best teams in just really getting what they needed. Free agency, they added Jack Conklin, who's a nice tackle from the Tennessee Titans. That will help. They put a second round tender on Kareem Hunt. They got a fullback in Andy Janovich, who can block very well. They got a pass catching tight end in Austin Hooper, and they picked up the fifth year option on David Njoku. So they fixed some of their protection issues with Jack Conklin and a fullback. But then the big one was 10th overall in the first round out of Alabama. They drafted Jedrick Willis, which was a huge addition. Some people were mocking them to maybe take a wide receiver like a CD Lamb. They didn't end up doing it because they needed more protection on the line for Baker Mayfield to put around your first overall pick from three years ago, number one off the board in Baker. So I did like what they did improving this offensive line. They also took Nick Harris, who's an interior offensive lineman later in the draft. So it was really nice to see that overall. If there is now more time for Baker to throw, that catchable target rate of just 74% should bump up to above 80%, above 85% for Odell Beckham Jr. And if you imagine that he's not going to lead the league in drops or co-lead the league in drops again, that's even more receptions for him. So this is making for a nice year. He only caught 74 balls last year. Now it's some good offensive line in Cleveland for Baker to find him downfield and just regressing from your worst drop season and one of the worst in the career last year. You can easily see Odell start to threaten for another 100 catch year. And if you're getting him now in like your third round of fantasy drafts with wide receiver one up, side that is fantastic in my opinion target competition in cleveland right now is mainly jarvis landry austin hooper and kareem hunt jarvis landry in 2019 played pretty much all the snaps just like odell beckham 95 percent. he had a huge year 83 receptions over 1150 yards and six touchdowns his target share was insane 26.6 percent overall and a 28.4 percent red zone target share baker was looking for landry way more often than he was looking for odell when it came to the red zone austin hooper in 2019 played in the atlanta offense that threw the most per game so his stats are going to be a little bit skewed 73 percent of the snaps he missed three games and still finished as a top six tight end with 75 receptions, 97 targets. He had six touchdowns and 18.5% target share, but the big kicker, 25.7% target share in the red zone. I expect that to continue heading into Cleveland to be a big red zone threat. And then Kareem Hunt in 2019, he only played on half of the games, but he saw 45 targets in half of those games, 37 receptions and three touchdowns through eight games in the receiving game. He saw 5.6 targets per game. That's not going to hurt Odell as much as it might hurt Jarvis Landry out of the slot for short passing and namingly and mainly Nick Chubb. So I do think the arrow points up for Odell. Look, I know he's had a couple of bad years in a row because of these injuries. If these injuries can actually be contained and stable and we have a good look at them moving into the year. So last year before the season, I remember before the pre- preseason started, he was saying that he's never going to like feel like himself this year. And everybody was saying, I oh, he's just being dramatic Odell. And then he went through the entire season and then gets surgery shortly after the season in January. So he was actually telling the truth. If he's feeling 
feeling healthy right now. The drops are going to regress. The offensive line play should only improve right now. And, and on paper, it's definitely going to, which just means more catchable passes, which just means more production for Odell. And if that's the case, you go from a 74 reception season with barely over a thousand yards and four touchdowns. Also should mention touchdown regression is coming his way. Only four touchdowns last year on 133 targets. That's definitely going to go up. What if you even get a year out of Odell where he catches 85 balls for 1300 yards, even call it 1200 yards. And now he has eight touchdowns. He's going to finish well above the expectations of many people. And you're snagging Odell in the third round. I think he's an absolute steal in my opinion, while a lot of other people are down on him. So this is where the question of the day comes in. I have Odell ranked number 10th overall for PPR formats for wide receivers for the 2020 fantasy football season. I have DJ Moore ranked number 11th. My question of the day to all of you that if you haven't answered yet, let me know right now down below. And also tell me why, if you'd like, would you rather have Odell or DJ Moore in your fantasy football leagues for PPRs in 2020? It's a very close debate in my opinion. I'm currently giving the edge to Odell. DJ Moore's arrow is definitely trending up in terms of age and how he did last year. But I do think there's regression coming for Odell in a positive way. Whichever one you take, I think they're very close. So DJ Moore played 15 games in his 2019 breakout year. He missed one game with a concussion. He played at 92% of the snaps. He had 87 receptions for over 1,150 yards and four touchdowns. Touchdown regression is also do for DJ Moore based on the fact that he saw 135 targets and only scored four touchdowns. A 24% overall target share and a 23% red zone target share. If you're getting 23% of your team's red zone targets and you only bring in four touchdowns, not even counting the targets you see outside of the red zone, you're going to score more than four touchdowns the next year. He was 10th in targets at nine per game. He was eighth in yards, as you can see on the screen right now, compared to some other players at 78.3 yards per game, eighth overall in the yardage department. He was sixth in contested catch rate. I mean, this is a big receiver. He's six foot. He's almost 220 pounds now. Came out of college at 210 pounds. Carolina threw the second most times per game last year amongst the hodgepodges of quarterbacks at 43.2 per game. They had Cam Newton. They had Kyle Allen in there who Kyle Allen looked good for about a game and a half and then he looked terrible. Cam Newton looked bad the whole time he was in there with his foot injury. Will Greer looked absolutely pathetic. They had really bad quarterback play and DJ Moore was still able to put up a top eight fantasy football wide receiver season. I mean, Kyle Allen was 33rd in true pass rating last year. He averaged 255 yards per game, only a 3.5% touchdown rate. 37.6 37.6 attempts per game were nice to see, but he was so inefficient. He was so bad. This team in general, at points, they weren't even scoring points. Like they were getting shut out. They were only scoring field goals for a stretch of two to three games last year, middle of the year against their division rivals, the Saints a few times. So they were absolutely dreadful and he was still putting up wide receiver one numbers. And here's the big thing. You can see on the screen right now, just his rookie season, but yards after the catch monster, not only in his rookie season, like you're seeing on the board compared to some of those uh, rookies from last year, but also 392 yards last year, ranked top 10 overall, ranked top eight overall. He was elite his rookie year. He was elite last year. If you can create yards for yourself despite quarterback play, you can be a dominant receiver. He did that last year with some of the worst quarterback play. He now gets Teddy Bridgewater, who's not the best quarterback in the world, but at least is an accurate passer who I would say is miles ahead of Kyle Allen and Will Greer in the quarterback development process. In the offseason, the Panthers added Robbie Anderson to the receiving fold. Teddy Bridgewater, of course, backup quarterback as well. The XFL, shout out Philly Walker. If you watch the XFL, I appreciate you. They got Russell Okun, a tackle in a trade uh, where they gave Trey a turner up to the Chargers. Very interesting. They had another receiver, Seth Roberts, and then John Miller, a guard. They lost Greg Olson, Cam Newton, and Trey Turner. So they had a ton of additions. In the NFL draft, they took zero offensive players because they did a lot in general in the free agency period, and they needed defense because they lost Luke Kuechly to retirement. They lost James Bradbury in free agency, and they lost a lot of players just in general. They took Derek Brown in the first round and within the top 10 picks, a defensive tackle out of Auburn. But what's the target competition like? There is a lot of mouths to feed. And this is my concern with DJ Moore. There's a lot of mouths to feed in a lot of spots, Tampa Bay, even the Browns that we just talked about. But another one is indeed in Carolina. You have CMC out there who as a running back last year, CMC saw 20.7% of the target share, 20.7, 143 targets last year is absolutely ridiculous. He had over a thousand yards, 116 receptions, 19 total touchdowns. That's not good to be competing with, but that's not where it ends. You had Curtis Samuel who was hyped up and had a down year, but he still played 91% of the snap. 
snaps. He still saw over 100 targets, scored seven touchdowns, and he had 23% of the red zone target share and 17% of the overall target share. Now you're bringing in Robbie Anderson, who played 96% of the snaps with the Jets last year, caught 52 balls on 96 targets. He saw 19.5% of the target share. Was not a threat in the red zone, though. Scored five touchdowns, but only 9.3% red zone targets. So DJ Moore is the clear alpha in the receiving game down the field in this regard. I think the real alpha in the entire offense, based on seeing more targets last year, was Christian McCaffrey. And Teddy Bridgewater is known to be checked down Teddy. So even if that doesn't change, and look, McCaffrey had an elite season last year, and DJ Moore was still able to sustain these numbers because of how often Carolina threw. If you expect McCaffrey even to just regress a little bit, instead of 143 targets, give the guy even 125 targets still, distribute those among some other guys, I think DJ Moore has a lot of upside. Do I think he's in line for another 135 plus target year? If he stays healthy, yeah, he did that in just 15 games. I think he has 150 target upside in this offense if you do think that McCaffrey regresses a little bit. So my biggest concern just with DJ Moore in general is that the mouths defeat out there, not really trusting Teddy Bridgewater to throw downfield as effectively. But again, we didn't really trust Kyle Allen to do it. We didn't really trust in general Will Greer to do it. And they didn't do it that well, but it was up to DJ Moore to get yards after the catch. And now we have a sample size of two years of him doing this in an elite and dominating way of being in his first two years in the league, a top 10 guy in yards after the catch. That is very impressive. That is something that sustains throughout your career if you can keep it up and continues to make you a top 10 wide receiver. He's on the borderline for me at number 11 overall. If you are still watching to this point, big old subscribe button just pop up. Take a few seconds, bottom right hand corner, hit that subscribe button and hit the notification bell. It will allow other people to see these videos in their timeline in YouTube search and browse features. That very well might likely be how you originally found the first video of mine that you saw. So I appreciate your time and energy there. Thank you so much. Down below in the description, the free rookie rankings, sign up for the draft guide. It's free to just sign up for an email opt-in for me to say, hey, here's a coupon. It's up now. Thank you for signing up. Something like that. That's all down below in the description. Check it all out and hit the subscribe button. Number 12 for me, it was actually Amari Cooper. I dropped him down to 13th and I bumped up Juju to number 12. So my issues with Amari Cooper dropping to 13 was mainly CD Lamb getting drafted and a lot of mouths to feed out there now. Now, I don't know how much that actually affects him. I might move it back because you did have a ton of targets for Randall Cobb last year. And even if CD Lamb just takes on those targets, Amari Cooper can still have a top 12 season. But for right now, we'll just put him at 13. So the 2019 season for Juju was just made up of bad quarterback play, a bunch of guys, three different guys, very similar to the Carolina situation and his own injuries. He played 12 games because he missed four with a concussion and a knee sprain. And then his only other injury history was as a rookie in 2017, he missed one game with a hamstring. When he was healthy last year, he played on 79% of the snaps, caught 42 of 72 targets his way for 18.3% target share and 21% of the red zone targets, ending up scoring just three touchdowns. 9.4 fantasy points per game was atrocious. 46 yards per game and six targets per game were not ideal for somebody being drafted in the second round of a lot of drafts. But here's the thing. Only 72.2% of his passes were deemed catchable. 85th in the league. He was 86th in ranked target quality. That is so bad. You want to know why? Because a guy named Duck Hodges was throwing him the ball. Mason Rudolph, who was just absolutely atrocious last year, was throwing him the ball. Big Ben was gone after two games, a game and a half, really. So it's really tough to judge Juju's 10 games last year or even 11 games without Big Ben when he's getting thrown to by Duck Hodges. And as the numbers show here, the highlighted red numbers, 72.2% catchable targets. You're pretty much just going to throw away 20 of his targets, 22 of his targets. That's not fair. So you're going to get Big Ben back this year. And there's question marks around how good Big Ben will be as he approaches 40 years old. In free agency, they added a fullback. They added a guard. They added Eric Ebron as well at tight end. And then in the NFL draft, they got Chase Claypool in the second round. They did not have a first round pick who's a wide receiver, but really in a tight end mold. They added Anthony McFarland in the fourth round, who I personally think will be pushing for James Conner's job. And they got an interior offensive lineman in Kevin Dotson in the fourth round. Their main loss in the offseason in terms of offense was really just their tackle. But I do think they're going to end up cutting either Jalen Samuels and or Benny Snell with the draft capital and the draft pick of Anthony McFarland in this draft. So what does Juju's target competition look like? 
for 2020. Well, in 2019, Deontay Johnson as a rookie broke onto the scene, not only as a special teams player actually contributing there with a return touchdown, but he played 67% of the snaps. He caught 59 balls, 17 more than Juju. Of course, he played in more games. On 92 targets, he had an 18.9% target share when he played, which was very similar to Juju's. And very similar to Juju, he did that with some garbage quarterbacks, ended up scoring five touchdowns. James Washington, who had his former college quarterback, Mason Rudolph, throwing him the ball for some of the games, played on 69% of the snaps, caught 44 of 79 targets for three touchdowns, six 16.9% target share. Rookie and Chase Claypool, who again is very much in the tight end mold coming out of Notre Dame. They say they want to play him on the outside, but he moves like a tight end. He's not that quick. He caught 66 balls on 119 targets, saw 28.6% of the Notre Dame target share and caught a pretty eye-popping 13 targets. And I guess we'll see what Eric Ebron still has in the tank. In 2018, he had that huge 14 touchdown season with Andrew Luck. Luck retires last year. He starts to struggle. And after 11 games, he literally quits on the Colts. One of the more underreported stories last year was Eric Ebron telling his agent to the Colts, I'm not playing with you guys anymore and him just quitting on the team. Pretty shitty in my opinion, but what are you going to do? So Juju Smith this year, there is competition. Like you have Vance McDonald as well at the tight end. You have pass catching running backs, whoever's going to be out there, whether it's McFarlane, whether it's Connor, whether it's Jalen Samuels. So there is some concerns here, but now we're getting into the top 12 guys. This is why he's not ranked as eighth or seventh overall. I'm a little bit worried, one about Ben, but also about Deontay Johnson potentially coming into a breakout year after his rookie season. The Steelers just build wide receivers, especially in their year two, whether it was Juju Smith-Schuster in 2017 as a rookie with Antonio Brown, whether it was Emmanuel Sanders with Antonio Brown, whether it was Antonio Brown with Mike Wallace. They just build wide receivers. They're just a factory for wide receiver twos. So that gives me some concerns for Deontay. And I do like Deontay. I'd be fine drafting him. But if I'm in this spot right now, I've been seeing Juju going in the fourth round of 12 team leagues. Uh, without question, in my opinion, he's a third round talent and he's a great value in the fourth round. He's my wide receiver 12 for fantasy football 2020 format. So thank you, everybody. Those are my one through 12. If you watch both videos, if you haven't watched the first one, go ahead and check it out right now. I'll link it up in the, the end screen after this. There'll also be a big old subscribe button popping up on the screen right now. Take a second, hit that. I urge you to do it. Check out Monkey Knife like we talked about in this video. It will be linked down below in the description, or you could use the promo code Vetri. Go get the free money. Why wouldn't you? Go check it out, everybody. Appreciate you tuning into this one. My name's Sal. Get all the free stuff in the description down below. I appreciate you taking the time to watch my content. I appreciate and love all of you. Peace out, gang, and have a great rest of your day.